Hello and welcome to episode 87 of Behind the Journey. And on this show, I talk about the new world financial system. Nineteen forty four, nineteen seventy one, and maybe two thousand and twenty one. What I'm talking about here is something that got announced a couple of weeks ago from the International Monetary Funds, and it has sent the whole monetary and financial system crazy over recent times. Now, this episode is going to be about what I believe is going to be happening to the financial system over the next five to ten years, as well as some spiel what's going to happen over the last few weeks here at Distract and the other random companies that I seem to be leading the charge of these days. What I want to talk about, first of all, is the monetary system. And what's happened recently over the last week to two weeks in the cryptocurrency world is there's been absolutely rocket fuel to the value of Bitcoin and other currencies. It's been phenomenal to watch. It's been phenomenal to be part of. And I really believe that many of you out there should be putting some cash that you can afford to lose into systems and industries you want to learn more about. And that's not financial advice. What I mean by that is this. I've never learned more about something until I've owned some of it. I've never looked so much into financial markets until I owned what I thought was the next financial market. I've never learned so much about a cryptocurrency until I owned that cryptocurrency. I've never learned so much about a certain business until I owned that certain business. And I think that many of us out there... You know, we don't do the research required to get a wider knowledge and a wider opinion because why would we? It doesn't exactly expand our current worldview. But when we own some of it, it's in our best interest to understand and learn more about it. And this week, this month, I've been absolutely all in in understanding more about financial markets, understanding more about the monetary system is why we currently have um, the global reserve currency, the dollar. What happened for that? What what was the reason for it? And what I believe is happening next? And during this episode, I'm going to discuss um, something called Bretton Woods and the way I believe the monetary system is going to change. Um, and also the reason that I think this is really important for all of you at home. So to so bear with me and hopefully um, I'll give you some information you've never heard before. So in 1944, um, the world had just finished World War II. There was huge amounts of debt out there. It was uh, a catastrophic place to be. We just fought you know, the biggest world of of memory um, and the economic catastrophe that was widespread across the world was huge and all major leaders came together and tried to create a new financial system that would work for everybody um, because inflation was happening we had um, mass borrowing it was a complete utter mess and the way in which they controlled who had the biggest say at these discussions was based on how much gold that nation had right and at the time America, I believe, had two-thirds of all gold reserves in the world, which made them the number one player at these talks. These talks were called the Bretton Woods Talks, the talk that was going to change the way in which the new financial and monetary system would happen globally. And in 1944, because of the America's gold reserves, the world decided that the global reserve currency would be the US dollar. That was 1944. Roll through to 1971, the whole monetary system was backed by the dollar, which was therefore backed by the gold reserves that America had. And in 1971, the Nixon shock happened. And essentially what the Nixon shock was is that President Nixon decided that 
in the face of huge inflation, in the face of mass confusion, um, what he was going to do, he was going to buy up the whole of America's gold reserve. So it essentially outlawed the fact that the man on the street could no longer hold huge amounts of gold and that that had to be sold to the American government. So I believe he was he was buying it for around $30 a piece and he was just swallowing this up, swallowing this up and swallowing this up, which enhanced the amount of gold reserves America actually had. And in 1971, he essentially completely utterly changed the way in which the global monetary system happened, where he removed the connection between the US dollar and the gold. Therefore, the US dollar was no longer pegged to gold. It, in fact, was pegged to absolutely nothing. And this is called, this is where the, the crypto, cryptocurrency and the futurists of the monetary world call it, this is how the fiat Ponzi scheme started. Because always over the last generation to generation to generation, the last centuries and decades, the monetary system was backed by gold, or before that it was backed by something else. Whereas in 1971, it essentially was backed by nothing. It was the end of the Bretton Woods system. It was the end of a pegged system. It was now backed by nothing but what the Fed, Federal Reserve and the US dollar was called. And that caused all sorts of problems, and that's what's led to housing bubbles, and that's what's led to uh, huge global debts around the world. Because now, whenever America does anything with this dollar, which is you know quantitative easing or printing of money or whatever, it's completely affecting the whole worldwide international monetary system. And the reason this is important is for two reasons. The first reason is at the moment we are going through what this generation will know as the economic economic effect as World War II. And what that means is there's huge amounts of borrowing, huge amounts of debt, catastrophic for the economy. And, you know, it's currently being debated in America whether they should be printing 5 trillion or 10 trillion. You know, these are huge, huge numbers that are getting printed right now. When you print money into any system, it's going to have a massive, massive effect on that community. And the International Monetary Fund uh, came forward and did a video, which you can find online, where they actually said, we are preparing for Bretton Woods version two. They are preparing for a whole new monetary system. This monetary system is going to change what's happening. And and the spokesperson said quite eloquently that we are happy to lend, we're happy to give money away, we're happy to support you through this economic catastrophe because you have to bring your people through this. And they're not for one second saying don't borrow. They're saying borrow, borrow, borrow. Borrow your way out of this mess. See what the International Monetary Fund are saying. Find the video on YouTube. See what they're saying borrow through this difficult time because after this we will have a Bretton Woods version two. Now for any of you out there, doesn't matter who you are, the sign and sight of a Bretton Woods version two should make your ears prick. It should make you start debating what that really means. Does that mean we're going to completely and utterly change? the systemic way in which the financial markets and systems are conducted globally? Does this mean we're going to be getting rid of the US dollar being the backed reserve currency globally? Will the Fed allow that to happen? What's actually going to happen moving forward? And there's been many, many talks over the last three, four, five years that there's been a increase of cyber warfare um, between major super superpowers. And they believe the next big war won't be one that's fought on the beaches, won't be one that's fought on land. But the next big war will be a monetary war. And here's what's currently 
happening. America have huge and huge and huge amounts of debt, right? The the US um, have huge, huge debt, a huge, huge debt crisis. It's, it's kicking around the 23, 24, 25 trillion mark. And one of the biggest um, holders of debt that America have is actually with China. Now, China, um, from the last report I read, China um, owns 1.1 or 1.2 trillion dollars of America debt. And here's my prediction. And as you all know, I use this podcast to process my thoughts and give opinion I can maybe look back on in the future. And here's what I think is going to happen. Now, the US election is in a really difficult time right now because you can't predict much, but I'm going to tell you what I think if Trump wins the election, which is doubtful based on the statistics, but here's what I think is going to happen. Trump has been discussing for the last six months that this virus, this coronavirus, is actually a China virus. He's been sat there going, the China virus this, the China virus that, the China virus, the China virus. And at the moment, um, it's had a huge, huge effect on the uh, US economy. And I believe he's going to invoice China for the damage of the American uh, economy. And I believe what he's going to do is he's going to be putting five, six, seven trillion pounds uh, debt um, towards China. And because of that, he will wipe off the 1.2 trillion that he owes China as, a, as an American uh, government. And that's going to start the monetary war. And when the monetary war starts, the International Monetary Fund are going to come in. And I believe this is what's going to happen. The International Monetary Fund are going to come forward and, and create a new global reserve currency that will be a digital asset that pegs the whole global world. Now, many big places like the Federal Reserve in America, the European Central Bank, um, they're all going to be very dubious about why they would allow the International Monetary Fund to be the reserve currency. And this is how I think they're going to get around it. The International Monetary Fund knows, and most of humanity know this, is that the financial system we're actually in is made up. What, what exactly is debt? It's, it's all just a made-up system. There's nothing actually real about it. It's, a, it's a, a thing that can really be wiped and reset to zero, and it wouldn't really matter if the whole world went to zero. And I believe the International Monetary Fund are going to say this. They're going to say, look, guys, we will be your global reserve currency. We will make sure that this works fine and it's all for digital assets and la, 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 la. And if you accept us as your global reserve currency, we will wipe your global debt. We will wipe the global debt. And this will force localized central banks like the Bank of England, like the European Central Bank, like the Federal Reserve, and all across the world to create their own digital currency, the digital pound, the digital dollar, the digital euro. And they'll all be pegged to the IMF, their new centralized digital asset. And society will have two options. They can either go down that route and be controlled by what will be the International Monetary Fund, or they can go down the route of holding some assets like Bitcoin and basically saying, look, this new monetary system, I don't believe in it. This is uh, going to peg us up for disaster. We're going to have to give away all our data and la, 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 la. And there's going to be a society split. And I believe Bitcoin plays a huge part in that. Hence why we've seen the boom of Bitcoin in the last four weeks. And hence, we've also seen a massive, massive rise in a new world order in terms of what the banks are doing. Now, let me explain this to you. PayPal is up about 99% this year. Square, 
up over 100% this year. But Wells Fargo and banks, they're on their knees. Now, what's the difference we're looking at here? The difference we're looking at here right now is the brands that are embracing this new world of technology and this new a global asset um, society, like PayPal, like Square, and the big banks that are completely ignoring this. Now, I think what's going to happen is this. PayPal are going to just as of a few days ago, have said that they'll be accepting cryptocurrency on their platform. PayPal has 360 million users globally. It's one of the biggest banks. I think it's the 30th biggest bank in the world. And because of that, they now have made cryptocurrency accessible to the average person in a really simple way. They've also allowed it so the average person can buy and also collect money through cryptocurrency on pretty much every single shop that has access to PayPal. This is huge. This is absolutely monumental. And I really believe that we're going to see major banks around the world start looking at these tech banks and going, if they're growing and they're embracing cryptocurrency and digital assets, we're going to have to do something about this too. And I really believe over the next five to 10 years, we're going to see the rebuilding and the development of our whole new financial system. It will look completely different like anything you've ever seen before. And I think that the best time to start educating yourself and understanding what's happening is to start looking at this right now. And I'm a huge, huge fan of knowledge circles. And knowledge circles, um, for me, is the first thing that even got me into cryptocurrency in the first place. And look, all of you know that I'm a big, big fan of cryptocurrency. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm sorry for talking about cryptocurrency the whole time. But I believe it's one of the biggest things that's going to have a huge change in our lives. And I think we're right at the start of it. What's going to happen over the next five to 10 years, I think will be down as a historic event. Um, the Bretton Woods of 1944 and the Nixon shock of 1971, they're all in history. And I believe that we're about to go into the same historical change in the financial markets and system. And I think that right now you have to be getting into knowledge circles of people discussing, discussing these exact topics. And some people that I really would recommend you listening to and speaking to would be um, Anthony, Anthony Pomp, um, P-O-M-P. Um, he is doing some amazing podcasts and videos on this topic. I'd also recommend looking at a guy called Simon Dixon, who's an economist who's fallen into this cryptocurrency world and understands more than anything before. And I'd also recommend following the Winklevoss twins, who you may know from the film The Social Network. They actually took most of their money from Facebook and invested it into cryptocurrency, primarily Bitcoin, in the early 2010s. Um, and I think you should start taking note of what these people are talking about, because right now I think that they could be some of the most powerful uh, thought leaders in the space. Uh, and you need to be getting grips of that. And, and knowledge circles work in all aspects, right? What you should all be doing is figuring out a market you want to learn more about, whether that be cryptocurrency, whether that be business, whether that be mindset or the economy, and creating a, um, a platform of four or five people within that space that you follow. And you, you follow them and you take everything on board. You watch all their content. You then have discussions with other people that are watching that content and educating themselves. And you'll start very quickly building up a really great knowledge of unique circles and aspects and you know it's really really interesting when you start going into different scenarios when you know let's say you, you've researched um the stock market for six months you'll start picking up phrases that are relevant to that market start learning more about it and when you go and speak to other people who are within that space you can hold your own you won't hold your own like an expert absolutely not and i don't for one second believe that i'm an expert in any of these these spaces i'm talking about but i'm hoping that it gives you the the, the spark and the match um, to trigger you to go and look into this stuff in bigger detail because when you can sit on a conversation with someone you don't know at a dinner, dinner party or an event or a friend's wedding or whatever 
and you have some basic level of understanding, it will allow you to learn more from that person and you'll be able to build more relationships. And I, I really believe that we should be building knowledge circles for each niche area of our life, whether that be business, whether that be finance, whether that be the economy, whether that be friendship, whether that be sports, you know, building these knowledge circles allows you to get much deeper in topics and understand much more about what's going on. Um, so please go out and find your knowledge circle for whatever area and build that group. And that's exactly what I did four years ago with cryptocurrencies. I built my knowledge circle. Uh, I was introduced to it by a few contacts of mine. And now they're great friends. And I speak to them on a regular basis about this stuff. And it keeps enhancing my knowledge on that one topic. And that's exactly what you should be doing too. Any area you want to learn about, anything you want to push forward for, build a knowledge circle. And what you often find in this world is huge levels of contrast. And, and what I mean by that is this, is you're going to sit down with people who are going to laugh at you for whatever reason. And that, I, I'm going to say something really bizarre right now, but it happened today. As you know, today's Friday, and this podcast should have gone out on Thursday. I'll be honest with you. I completely lost track of time. This week has been phenomenal for business. We've had three or four new clients sign, um, and a few dramas, always a few dramas, and a few great bits of news for new new projects. So I've been busy. I lost track of time. So today I went and get my fish and chips. <laughs> this is going to sound really weird. And any of the staff that are going to hear this are going to be laughing to themselves. Here we go. I went to my fish and chips. And I said to the lady, can I have salt and pepper on my chips, please? And she laughed at me. And she laughed at me because she, she, she said, do you mean salt and vinegar? And I said, no, actually, I mean salt and pepper. And the contrast in that behavior was that I thought that it was fine to have salt and pepper on fish and chips. But for her, it was weird. And it gave me a contrasting opinion. And you can have, the reason I bring that up is you can have contrasting opinions in every aspect of your life. You can have it on the fish and chips you choose. You can have it on the football team you watch. You can have it on the podcast you listen to. You can have it on the opinion you have of what business is going to boom next. Contrasting opinions is one of the greatest things you can have as a human being in the 21st century. And the great thing we have as a society is we have the ability to contrast our opinion on the easiest level possible whether that be following different Twitter accounts, whether that be watching different YouTube videos, whether that be walking into a club you've never walked into before, you have the ability to have a contrasted opinion wherever you are. And the problem with society and the problem with the average person right now in the world is we do not want to have a contrasted opinion because if we have a contrasted opinion, it makes us feel like we are wrong, we are incorrect, or worse than, and the biggest thing, the biggest uh, area of this, it makes us feel like we are having an enemy and that's one of the biggest problems we have the thing we need to be focusing on to develop ourselves and push ourselves further forward within both our knowledge circles and what we do it for a living is find people with contrasted opinions we can have civilized and real debates with because if we can have civilized and real debates with people we will expand our knowledge base we'll expand our knowledge circles and we become better individuals for it but for some reason right now as human beings, we want to be putting ourselves in our little siphon bubbles and trying to focus down on who we are as individuals. When in reality, the way we become the best version of ourselves is by breaking down the debates, calming down the arguments, and most importantly, having civilized debates. And I saw a really, really good video on Twitter actually yesterday um, where it was two candidates in America, one Republican, one Democratic, and they basically said, we will be polite with each other. We will debate with each other. We know we 
I think I'm the best candidate, but we will have civilized debate. And I really believe that right now in the 21st century, one of the hardest things we can actually have as humans is have civilized debate. And it's holding us back massively because when we put ourselves in siphons and we put ourselves down these one funnel, we will end up becoming more extreme with our beliefs than ever before. When actually the way you can develop best as human beings is to have a diverse opinion that isn't fixed, that is fluid, because that allows you to become the best person and the best version of yourself. And the reason I say this isn't to try and give you some sort of ego talk through or some ego walk. The reason I say this is pretty simple, is that I believe right now there are more people than ever before feeling like they're at war with people around them. And I had a friend of mine um, call me the other day and she said that she feels like her life is absolutely all over the place. She said she feels completely and utterly lost, like this coronavirus thing has killed her dreams and ambitions and completely and utterly made her uh, feel like she's, she's, she's lost. And I said to her, what are you talking about? And she went and said, I don't have a house. I've lost my job. I can't go traveling. Everything that I've ever wanted to do is completely gone right now. And I said to her, look, you're playing as the pawn on the chessboard you're, you're playing as the pawn on the chessboard. You're playing as the bishop on that platform. And the problem when you're the pawn piece or you're the bishop or you're the knight on the, on the chessboard is that you feel pain like never before. Uh, you feel like you're always at war with someone else. You feel like you're always trying to attack and to win. When actually you have to zoom out of that scenario and you have to fundamentally become the chess player. You have to be strategically choosing your moves and utilizing the pawns on the on the chessboard to make those moves for you. Because when you're the chess piece, you can be hurt, you can be destroyed. But when you're the chess player, the losses don't matter as much. You see, when you're the pawn and you get taken out, you've lost. But when you're the chess player and you lose a pawn, you can move on with your life. And I really believe that many people right now, especially during coronavirus, especially because of all the uncertainty, they're playing chess as the pieces, but not the player. And my biggest lesson to you right now is try and zoom out of that scenario, that micro scenario you're in right now. Zoom right out and see this whole thing as one big game, one big chess game. And if you lose a few pawns or you use a few bishops, it doesn't really matter because this chess game You've got a long time left in this chess game to win. You don't have to go out there and try and take the, 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 the knight out and go straight for the king straight away. You can take some time. You can plan your route. You can, you can come backwards a little bit. You can move forward. You can take out a pawn to tee you up for the king. You can, you can play around like a more strategic player. And many of us, especially as millennials, are sitting there and trying to figure out a way to win within two years or figure out a way to win this week. When actually, you've got 50 years. You've got 60 years to try and play this game out and to win in the end. And because you're so focused on being the pawn, because you're so focused on being the actual pieces, you've lost sight. You've lost sight of how long this game can be. You've lost sight on the actual long-term strategic thinking you need to make it and it's having a massive effect on your mental health because when you zoom out nothing really seems that big a deal you don't really get angry you don't really get sad because it doesn't matter you've got another move you can make you've got another chance to win you aren't out yet and that's exactly what i said to her on the phone and i and when i say that's where I, that's where i said to her i literally said stop being the chess piece and start being the chess player
And it's quite funny because I often use analogies in many things that I do because I think it's easier to explain scenarios rather than saying, stop being hurt by everything. You know, think more strategically. That sounds boring and harsh, right? But when I tell you about the chess pieces and the chess player, you hopefully understand it on a much bigger level. And uh, maybe I'm a weird friend, but that's what I did and seemed to make it happy. And that's just what I want for all of you right now is I want you all to zoom out, take a few more things on the chin than you would normally and look at long-term happiness and not short-term happiness. Um, I really think that is the way to be successful. Um, big news for us as of late is um, our estate agency's fallen through. Uh, the last hurdle, so we won't be launching a estate agency this year, but I spoke to a really great estate agent, estate agent uh, who's looking at and um, starting themselves um, next year. So I said to her that you sound phenomenal. You sound like you really know what you're doing. Um, and she's looking at getting something started with us in six to 12 months, which is amazing. And here's the lesson, guys and girls. Here's the lesson that I've learned from this is, look, you should not, you should not be held ransom to anybody. You are your biggest asset. You know what you hold. And if you don't think something's the right decision, you stand by yourself. And I mean that equally to the, to the estate agent that, that stepped away, right? Because if it wasn't right for him, it wasn't right for him. And that's absolutely fine. On the other hand, I believe that he let down one of the most golden opportunities of his lifetime. I really believe he had a massive opportunity to make something absolutely huge. But as far as I'm concerned, there's thousands of estate agents out there. And I've just got to go find another one. So I found someone who's amazing. Had a call with her today. She's really, really up for it. She wants to delay it because of COVID. And I completely respect that. We've got enough of things on our plate anyway, as you all know. Um, so we're going to be picking up the conversation for six to 12 months time about making a new world estate agency um, done correctly. So I'll keep you in the loop with that one. With regards to other things, um, the mortgage company is going live on the 9th of November. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reveal that to you. Um, it's going to be really, really amazing. It's called Rippled, rippled.co.uk with the domain name. So please give it some love when it launches. It's um, We're really pushing the balance on this one. I'm really trying to make something new and exciting um, within the mortgage space. Completely free mortgages, which is ninth, I think it's 9th or 10th of November. And it's going to be great fun. And then with uh, our conveyancing brand, Fletcher Longstaff, I had a call with the licensing committee today. Uh, and they've given us around like a four-week indication. So we're looking at, what, 23rd, 22nd, 23rd of November. That should be live, um, which is really exciting. We're getting so many inquiries for that business. It actually hurts. We, have, we can't actually do anything with them just yet. But we'll get there. Like I said, long-term plan, long-term vision. So we've got loads going on. Um, and the, the other business which we're teeing around with at the moment, we're launching an online pharmacy. Uh, I, I really believe that we can make um, medication easily accessible to many people around the world. Um, and we're going to start with the UK with a new pharmacy distribution model, which will be going live um, probably April next year. And we're just registering our pharmacy right now. Uh, I really believe we can have some huge impact within that space. Um, and the uh, the people in our business partners in that business are, are phenomenal. Really, really amazing guys. Lots of experience in the pharmacy space. So we're all go over here. It's Friday. It's three o'clock. And um, uh, once again, I apologize for this podcast being late. Um, like I said, I really just forgot what day it was, which is an absolute nightmare. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing that happened this week is we were on um, Lincoln have created a uh, angel networking um, group and me and Brad were invited to that, which is all remote, obviously. And uh, we saw four, four pitches um, from four um, startup businesses in the, in the region. Really, really good businesses. Amazing to see people coming through in uncertain times. And as always, I'll be trying to support people the best I can in every single way possible. I know how hard it was to start at the beginning.
Busy, busy agency at the moment. Really busy agency. Lots of great work we're, we're signing off. And I've got two big deals that are hopefully going to be closing soon. But uh, both the decision makers have actually got COVID. So uh, that slowed things down a little bit. They seem okay, but that's definitely slowed things down. But I hope you're all good. I hope you're all fab. If you're the first time listening to this podcast, I really appreciate you hanging around past all my cryptocurrency nonsense. Um, but this is what happens to this podcast. It's my thoughts, my beliefs, and my opinion. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll speak to you guys next week.